Hi again, it's Dr. Rob, and this is the House Call Doctor's Quick and Dirty Tips for Taking Charge of Your Health. For those of you who listened to my first podcast and are back for more, I admire your bravery. Thanks for coming back. For those of you who are here for the first time, thank you for allowing me to inhabit your digital device. I promise not to spread any viruses. Though I'll be answering all your questions about things medical, this podcast is for informational purposes only. My goal is to add to your medical knowledge and translate some of the weird medical stuff you hear so that when you do go to your doctor, your visits will be more fruitful. I don't intend to replace your doctor, whom you should always consult about your own medical condition and course of treatment. The goal of this podcast is to answer questions. But since this is only my second episode, I still haven't gotten any questions from real listeners. So today, I'm going to answer the question of someone I've made up. We'll call him Ralph. Ralph is an upstanding citizen and loves his imaginary mom. He also has a very good question. Hi, Dr. Rob. It's me, Ralph. My latest cholesterol was 220. Is this high? Should I be worried... Should I do something about it? Ralph sounds like a real nice guy. Smart, too. And he raises a very important question. What's the deal on cholesterol? The idea that a cholesterol should be under 200 dates back to before I was practicing medicine. Some smart scientists had noticed that people who had high cholesterol had a higher risk of heart attack. More scientists got together and decided that, based on the evidence, 200 was a good cutoff point. To celebrate their decision, they went out for a dinner of bacon cheeseburgers and donuts. Okay, I'm not really sure about the celebration, but they did decide that 200 was a cutoff. Sometime later, some other scientists noted that there are people with cholesterol over 200 who don't have heart attacks, whereas others with levels under 200 do. The research showed that there are several types of cholesterol of varying density. They named these types of cholesterol high-density lipoproteins, or HDL, low-density lipoproteins, or LDL, and very low-density lipoproteins, or VLDL. It turns out that a high LDL is associated with a higher risk of heart disease, while a high HDL is associated with a lower risk. The VLDL, which is mainly triglycerides, has a much smaller effect than the HDL and LDL, so we'll ignore it for now. LDL is commonly referred to as bad cholesterol, and HDL as good cholesterol. You have to wonder how long these politically incorrect names will be used. LDL's self-image must be shot by now, with all that praise being heaped on HDL. Well, back in the science lab, some other scientists began to notice that a few people with a high LDL didn't develop heart disease, and some with low LDL did. I say this only to point out that my explanation is a simplified one, and should not be taken as an exhaustive explanation. I also do it to point out how annoying some scientists can get if they have time on their hands. So what about good old Ralph and his cholesterol over 200? Should he be worried? It's hard to say. Total cholesterol is calculated by using a formula that includes HDL, LDL, and triglycerides. That's what makes the total cholesterol number of limited use to me as a doctor. It's kind of like if you ask someone the score of a football game and they answered 42 adding together the scores of both teams. Now, technically, they're right in their answer, but the information probably wasn't what you wanted. You wanted to know the score of the good team and how it compared to that of the bad team. 
In the same way, the LDL and HDL numbers are far more important to Ralph than the total cholesterol. In fact, there's a calculation called the Framingham Risk Score, which uses HDL and LDL levels, along with other risk factors, and calculates a person's 10-year risk of having a heart attack. I'll put a link to this formula in the show notes. When you get down to it, people don't die from high cholesterol. They die from heart attacks and strokes. If I knew a person with high cholesterol would stay healthy until they're 90, I wouldn't bother treating them. That's what makes the Framingham Risk Score useful to me. It focuses on what really matters. It's not a perfect formula, but it gives a decent idea of risk. My goal as a doctor is to get that 10-year risk as low as possible. So, what does this mean to you? Well, here are my quick and dirty tips about cholesterol. Tip number one, get your cholesterol checked. It's important to know what your risk factors are, and since heart attacks are associated with higher LDL and lower HDL, it's good to know these numbers. This is especially important as you get older, as heart attacks get more frequent as people age. Tip number two, don't focus on the total cholesterol. Knowing your HDL and LDL will allow you to know your real risk. For low-risk people or people without any risk factors, and I'll get to the risk factors in my next tip, The goal is to have an LDL under 160, but that goal changes as the number of risk factors goes up. For example, for people with diabetes, the LDL should be under 100, and in some cases even under 70. As for your HDL level, you want to at least have that number over 40, although over 50 is even better. Tip number three, know your other risk factors. Knowing your other risk factors for heart disease, aside from cholesterol, will tell you how closely you need to monitor your cholesterol. There are six major risk factors. High cholesterol, high blood pressure, smoking, diabetes, strong family history of heart disease, and advanced age. Additionally, men are generally at higher risk for heart disease than women. The family history needs to be put into perspective. If your Uncle Harry had a heart attack when he was 90, it doesn't increase your risk. But if your father had a heart attack at age 40, you should be far more concerned about your cholesterol. I don't treat numbers without knowing this overall risk. It's like hurricanes. If you live in Florida, you worry about hurricanes. Keeping tab on the weather and having a house that can withstand high winds and water. If you live in Idaho, on the other hand... You don't have to worry about hurricanes, although I guess your risk of being pelted with potatoes goes up. Your doctor should do the same. No, not pelt you with potatoes, but figure out your real risk of heart disease. If he or she doesn't calculate your risk, do it yourself and show them the results. Tip number four. Do what you can to have the best cholesterol possible. There are many things you can do to lower your LDL and raise your HDL. These include exercising, controlling your weight, eating right, and not smoking. Foods rich in saturated and trans fats tend to raise the LDL, whereas foods rich in unsaturated fat can actually raise the HDL, the good cholesterol. In general, this means that you should minimize animal fats, specifically those found in red meats, but don't cut back on vegetable fats. Olive and canola oils are rich in the good unsaturated fats and so are actually good to have. Also avoid hydrogenated oils, which are fats that have been turned from unsaturated to saturated fats by food manufacturers. They do this to make the consistency of the food better, but it makes the food much less healthy. 
Read the labels. Know what you're putting in your mouth. The Nutrition Diva podcast is an excellent resource if you want more information. Find her at nutritiondiva.quickanddirtytips.com. Tip number five. Consider cholesterol-lowering drugs if you are at increased risk. I only give medications when I feel the risk of taking them is outweighed by the risk of not taking them. Studies have shown that bringing the LDL down with a specific medication in high-risk people lowers the risk of heart disease and death. Which people and which medications? Well, that's what I did my medical training to know. You'll have to see your doctor to find out if these medications are appropriate for you. But in general, I think a person with a 10-year risk over 10% should be considered for treatment and someone over 20% should clearly be treated. Are cholesterol drugs dangerous? I don't think that they're dangerous, but they do have significant risks. That's why I have to have a license to prescribe them and why they aren't in the grocery store next to the candy yams. All drugs should be used when the benefit significantly outweighs the risk. Ultimately, the decision is between you and your doctor. As the person taking the medication, you should be aware of the risk you take by taking the medication and also the risk of not taking it. There is, in my opinion, pretty strong evidence that using statin drugs can significantly improve the survival and quality of life of high-risk people. That's it for today's podcast. I hope this answers your questions about cholesterol, and I hope it makes Ralph happy as well. If you have questions you want answered, send them to housecalldoctor at quickanddirtytips.com or call 206-337-5895. And if you're in an adventuresome mood, stop by my blog, Musings of a Distractible Mind, at distractible.org. Catch you next time. Stay healthy. Stay healthy.